0: Today's PCOS Diva podcast guest is Dr. Ailey Cohen. She's a board-certified rheumatologist and integrative medicine specialist, as well as an environmental health expert, and she lives in Princeton, New Jersey. She has been educating the general community, medical colleagues, and high school students about the health effects of environmental chemicals and radiation for years now and she is also the author of a brand new book called non-toxic guide to healthy living in a chemical world which was co-written by the renowned phd professor of neuro and reproductive biology who's kind of a pioneer in bpa research Um, his name's frederick so Thank you for coming on the podcast, Dr. Cohen.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So I think that your story is really fascinating. I read your book uh, last night and your story about how a rheumatologist sort of became one of the... uh, Kind of leading experts in environmental health, and I would love for you to uh, kind of kick off our podcast together with sharing your story.
1: Sure. Well, so this is a you know a real story of how I kind of fell into the world of environmental chemicals and also environmental health, which kind of is the overhanging title for anything that affects the human body from the outside world, be it radiation or air pollution or food chemicals. So what happened was about nine or 10 years ago, I had a golden retriever dog, which, you know, it was my baby. It was my firstborn named Truxton. And I was a young mom. I had two young kids. I think they were like one and three at the time. And he was just four and a half at the time. And he got sick. He just seemed to have gotten sick. And I took him to the vet. And it turned out on that visit that he had jaundice, which means that something was wrong with his liver. And he was eventually diagnosed um, pretty quickly, actually, by ultrasound with um, autoimmune hepatitis, which meant that his immune system had really been triggered and started to attack his liver. So he didn't really have much of a liver at the time that he was diagnosed. And subsequently, he did not live that much longer after that initial diagnosis. So You know, I was pretty heartbroken. I mean, you know, here I am, an autoimmune disease specialist for humans, no less, and my dog, ironically, is sick with an autoimmune disease, and I didn't know how he got it. And we live in New Jersey, central New Jersey, lots of farming, lots of pesticides spraying. But I was also concerned of whether his water was contaminated, whether or not his uh, food might have been contaminated or treats. I thought about the pesticides on his uh, dog collar. In tick collars. I wondered whether or not the toy in his mouth that he was always sucking on, this red plastic toy, um, might have triggered his immune system against himself. And, you know, really out of heartbreak, I kept on researching all of this and I started to unravel this entire mess of like, you know, lack of regulation or no regulation for human products in the United States. And I just couldn't believe it. I mean, and the more I read, the more I was sort of like sitting in my kitchen, looking at my cat going, are you kidding me? Um, because I just really had never um, heard that there was so limited or no re- regulation on cosmetics, on personal care products, on even food chemicals, and that none of them are tested the vast majority for safety before they go into all the products that we love. Um, and it sort of began my journey of trying to see whether this was really true, you know, starting uh, at conferences and webinars and meeting with you know, specialists in the field. And I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that here I was a practicing physician of about probably 10 years at that point. And I'd never heard about any of this during med school, during residency, fellowship, nothing for you know, any mailers that I get for continuing med- medical education. So it was just really a shocking time in my life. Um, but it really started out of my love for my dog and and the fact that he got ill so young.
0: Well, and I think you, you know, having these two young children, too, thinking, oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, is there something in our water? Um, it, it is. It's it. There's so many chemicals um, in our Environment and I know when I was developing um, my Sparkle cleanse program, that is something that I was researching, and um, I know that women with PCOS are found to have higher levels of BPA in their blood and and other chemicals than. Um, women without PCOS, and whether that's you know an issue that we just have wonky detoxification, or, you know, our livers are somewhat can be somewhat compromised with non-alcoholic fatty liver disorder. Um, you know whether our nutri- nutrient deficiencies that we tend to have come into play. Um, I, I do think that this is a great topic to cover on the PCOS Diva podcast because women with PCOS need to really be aware of the role that toxins and detoxification need to play in their lives.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting you pointed that out is that, you know, the, the mechanism of how many chemicals work, I mean, this is really gets to the point of PCOS and other hormone sensitive illnesses, even cancers of course, is that many of these chemicals were discovered along with my co-author Fred who was one of the leading um, researchers 20 years ago, he began this work with his colleagues, that many of these chemicals work as, you know, endocrine disrupting chemicals. They're called EDCs, which means they have this unique and uncanny ability um, and troublesome ability to be able to mimic hormones, particularly estrogen, And estrogen derivatives, also androgens, which are the male hormones, um, but also thyroid hormones, um, fertility um, hormones, insulin is a hormone, so it affects, um, you know, as as with PCOS, you know, insulin resistance can be created, you know. um, So there's just a real, you know, there's a lot of chemical exposure implications. And that we're now seeing with the 90,000 chemicals that are now in and around us all the time at this point, you know, between our products, our food chemicals, our our water contaminants, cosmetics that we willingly put on our skin, tampons that we put inside our bodies, um, and even air pollution, that all these, you know, almost 90,000 industrial commercial chemicals do get into the human body and they can be measured. By blood levels, urine levels, breast milk levels. Um, and so it's really kind of worth thinking about because we now see a mechanism by which these chemicals work on the human body. Um, and they're low levels. I mean, this is not like if you go out and you have, you know, you put some makeup on that's junky or, you know, that you've seen has chemicals in it, you know, that next day you're going to have some immediate reaction. These are low levels of exposures over time. And since hormones are so vulnerable and, and um, sensitive, it doesn't take very much over time to really start to affect those pathways. Mm.
0: I think what I really loved about your book and your approach is that you sort you help us take the overwhelm out of it. You know, when you're just listening to you, it kind of makes me anxious. Like there's chemicals that are disrupting my hormones everywhere. And it puts you in this place of almost paralysis, (laughs) like there's just so much to deal with that I just don't know where to begin. And you talk about um, the serenity prayer, which is, you know, I accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. And you talk about approaching uh, detoxifying your, your body and your home, using sort of that uh serenity prayer as a as a paradigm
1: yeah i mean and and here's the thing i would have loved this book to have been available to me when i was panicking 8 or 9 years ago with my dog and thinking is this for real um and to have something like this book would have been really you know, helpful to me to talk me off the ledge, so to speak, because it is overwhelming. It's a very big topic, which is probably why it took me a few years to even believe that it was true. And I really had to test, you know, you know, look at all of the medical literature, which is so robust. I mean, we have position papers from the Endocrine Society, the World Health Organization, um, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Academy of Reproductive Medicine, all have come out with position statements there are thousands of, of medical journals that write about these chemicals and their effects on various hormones. And I had to read them all. I had to understand that this was real um, and not wacky science. And it turns out that it's just so robust and so believable that I just had to convey it in a way to everyday people, which is what I, you know, I was an everyday person back then. I was a doctor, but since I'd never experienced this kind of information, I, I was an everyday person. And um, and that's how I wanted to put Put this book together I wanted to make this book with my co-author so easy to understand so practical so usable so non-judgmental and also so empowering Because I wanted people to have all the vetted resources that are legitimate, that are not, you know, backhand, you know, deals between endorsements and branding. I wanted really legitimate resources that were evergreen, that would be websites and apps that actually manage their content in a very responsible way, so that even if a product is bought by, you know, a a company buys another company, that they would still be able to manage those um, you know, uh, quality and purity issues in terms of testing. So, you know, I wanted people to have the tools to be able to look up their makeup. This is what I do actually with high school students. I teach high school and college and we have, you know, there's apps in this book that you download and you can look up your lipstick or your shampoo or your conditioner, your skin cream, and really see whether it has, harmful chemicals and you could just choose a different brand and it'll give you those levels of, you know, zero to 10, you know, zero being the best and 10 being the worst. So I wanted people to be able to choose couches without flame retardants. Here's the link. I wanted people to be able to do it yourself. Um, deodorants and certain personal care products, we give all the recipes. I wanted people do-it-yourself cleaning products. If you don't wanna go out and buy you know, clean versions, you can also just make them yourself much cheaper. We have those recipes plus food recipes. So I wanted it to kind of give everybody a shot, anyone with no money, with lots of money, with no medical background, with lots of medical background, to really be able to take on this topic in a way that was reasonable and within you know, on their journey.
0: And, and you really do just that. And there's a ton of um, citations. You're not just pulling this stuff out of a hat. I mean, it's all um, medically uh, sound you know, information that you're giving us. Um, but I'm hoping that for the time that we have left together that you can give PCOSD this some real practical tips on how to you know, live healthy in the chemical world. You have a great tear off refrigerator sheet in your appendix of things that you can kind of do, um, on a daily basis. And I was hoping you could sort of go through, through some of those, um, to do's with us.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of them. So I try to make it so reasonable that, you know, and of course, you know, there are certain priorities that I would sort of argue a little bit more important than others, say, for instance, you know, the food you eat, you know, since Mm -hmm. we eat so much of it, we feed so much of it to our kids and even to our pets, maybe that's a good place to start cutting back on those chemicals by reducing processed foods. Processed foods in general tend to have all those chemicals or many chemicals that have not been tested for safety or toxicity. And there's over 1,100 food chemicals right now in allowable in our food products that are processed. So if you stick to cleaner foods, meaning less processed, whole foods that have been washed off for pesticides, which are endocrine disruptors, um, you can do that. You can either you know, use environmental working groups, list of clean, um, Dirty Dozen Clean 15, which is in the book, and you can get that online. Or you can just use baking soda and white vinegar um, with water either one of them with white water can really take off like quite a load of pesticides off of produce. Um, frozen organics are also a wonderful way to cut back on on costs, but organics um, don't allow for many of the harmful pesticides and genetically modified ingredients um, that are in non-organic USDA organic products. So some of the other recommendations are drinking water. I hope people will consider Um, you know, perhaps just even buying a carbon filter, you know, like a pitcher filter, like a Brita or a Zero Water or one of those to kind of clean their water um, from tap water or well water. And then if they want to get more aggressive, you know, we certainly give all that information to see how, you know, if they want to go more aggressive, the kind I have is a reverse osmosis water filter, which runs about $300 and about 150 for a plumber to put it in. And, you know, those are the most aggressive types of water filters that you can buy. But again, it's a personal journey. It's a choice of finances of where you're living, whether it's in a home versus a rental apartment. You know, so there's lots of different reasons why people make um, the choices that we offer them. But I would also argue trying to reduce the use of plastics by not cooking in plastics or heating in plastics or carrying water and food in plastics, because those chemicals often contain, uh, are in those containers and will um, eventually can leach into the food and water, including, um, you know, uh, especially fatty foods, um, which a lot of these chemicals like fatty foods. Um, so I recommend trying to avoid plastics. Um, you can get glass containers now almost anywhere. Um, You can get glass water bottles or stainless steel water bottles, which I recommend for drinking and carrying liquids. Um, I would say get rid of nonstick pans because of the PFAS chemicals. There's a collection of chemicals that we now know, um, you know, are endocrine disruptors that are on those kind of smooth, dark coatings of nonstick pans. Going back to stainless steel is a really great option. uh, It takes a little more elbow grease to clean off your your food off the the pan, but it certainly is worth it because again, those chemicals can migrate into the foods that you're cooking.
0: What are your, oh, just let me interrupt there for a second. um, For the, with the cookware, uh, you know, I know that um, like cast iron's good or like an enameled cast iron, like um, a crucet or lodge. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are on ceramic pans because that seems to be kind of the hot cookware right now.
1: Yeah, I can't vouch for ceramic, and I'll tell you why. Ceramics are often, um, you know, they come from different countries like China. They may have lead in ceramic. Um, so that's one of the downsides to ceramic as an over, overall scenario. Now, Corningware, I'm aware of tests for lead. You know, these are some of the more reputable brands, Le Creuset um, from France, you know, so those might be more reputable and they can, you always have to call the manufacturer and make sure, but, you know, not always do they know, especially the person picking up the phone, you know, when you're, when you do stainless steel, food grade stainless steel, which we talk about in the book is just, you know, um, stamped on the bottom with an 18 slash eight underneath it, which is typical, of most pans that you get at stores, local stores, um, you know, you know, for sure that it's not going to, for the most part, you know, not for sure, but for the most part, it doesn't have the lead ceramic issues. Um, you know, same with Pyrex or, or glass. So the ceramic ones, I really can't vouch for all of them. Um, certainly, um, uh, cast iron is an interesting, um, you know, little secret, especially if you have anemia, iron deficiency anemia, because there's iron that comes from the cast iron that's actually helpful um, to people who have iron deficiency anemia. It's one of the recommendations I make to my patients. Um, but you want to make sure that your doctor tells you you have iron deficiency anemia, meaning you need some more iron. That's a great way to get it into your your food is by, you know, curing and preparing, you know, a good cast iron pan for, for your food. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just tricky because there's so many, you know, green labeling of products. And that's, again, why we wanted to have the right vetted resources in this book so that people could really look up vetted Groups that look at these carefully for chemicals.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And there is, they I think the term is like greenwashing, and mm-hmm. you see that a lot. I think in personal care, um, right. It looks like it might be. Um, I, I don't. I think I'm. I'm thinking like a lot of shampoo brands that look like they're herbal based. Um, yeah, there's
1: absolutely no regulation in cosmetics. I mean, that's mm-hmm. shocking in and of itself. But say cleaning products and personal care products have no requirement for testing of their ingredients before going onto our store shelves. And one of the key issues also, to break that down even further, is the fragrance. The fragrance Mm -hmm. within cleaning and personal care products, for instance, is highly unregulated, I mean, completely unregulated, and it's like proprietary, which means that the combination of chemicals in the word fragrance on a label or, or perfume on a label actually requires no testing and can really contain up to 300 plus chemicals. Um, And, you know, proprietary meaning it's like trade secrets. So in this country, in the U.S., um, you know, manufacturing is protected over um, consumer health. Um, And so they don't have to reveal what are the individual chemicals within the word fragrance or perfume. So when I recommend patients getting cosmetics, of course, I certainly tell them to go to the websites, you know, like ewg.org and we have those correct, um, you know, cosmetic websites that people can look up to look up their products. But trying to avoid things with fragrance is a good way to start. You know, fragrance mm-hmm. or perfume-free um, often means that you're not getting a load of chemicals that are just basically um, undisclosed for, for issues in terms of their um, data. Yeah, I mean, I
0: think about the mall stores that you walk by and there's so many young women <laughs> in them when you see them like squirting on the body, you know, testing yeah. the body sprays and creams and um, that's the kind of stuff that... You know, especially women who suspect they might have PCOS, they really don't wanna be putting on their skin.
1: Right, and even in your home, you don't wanna bring those fragrances into your home through air fresheners, through plugins, through untested, un, you know, scented candles, incense, carpet powders, laundry detergents. Um, and so these are, especially with cleaning products, these are some of the you know, areas that if you just kinda of don't bring it into your home, you don't buy it in the first place, then it won't get into your bodies. Um, And it's also cheaper. I mean, if you just use and we have all the do it yourself cleaning products, which are, you know, basically three ingredients, more or less four ingredients, but you can make really, really effective cleaning products and surface cleaners and even for COVID, just um, using very, very simple ingredients and avoiding all those fragrances and colors and all these, you know, horrible chemicals that are in most cleaning products.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Castile soap, and I know that you are, too, because it's listed in a lot of your recipes for cleaning yeah. products.
1: Yeah, soap, borax can be used, certainly mm-hmm. sea salt for scrubbing. Um, white vinegar is super cheap and available in jugs. Um, you know, essential, real, 100% essential, um, you know, organic oils. I would be very leery of just junk oils. Um, and again, so you can combine these in a way that's just super inexpensive, um, you know, and even for COVID, I'm, I'm recommending isopropyl alcohol, which is just rubbing alcohol, you know, things that kill virus, but don't also bring with it a host of, of, uh, horrible chemicals and untested mm-hmm. chemicals.
0: So I wanted to back up, um, a little bit to, we, we were talking about foods and, and avoiding, um, the processed foods that have a lot of colorings, dyes, um, but what about the foods that we want to add into our diet to help our body kind of detoxify? And you talk about that in your book, and I'd love for you to share more.
1: Sure. So we wanted to have a whole chapter on sort of the detox processes of the body so you can understand the physiology and how amazing the human body is. Um, In in clearing many chemicals, even the ones that it didn't evolve to necessarily see or know, which are the modern day chemicals after 1950, right? So, um, you know, all these chemicals really the 90,000 I mentioned have really only been introduced introduced into the human experience. For the past 200 years. That's it. And we've been evolving for millions of years. And many of the chemicals that, um, you know, I should say, many of the foods that we eat or have eaten during, you know, evolution have really been whole foods nuts, berries, greens, you know, real wild caught fish, really high quality proteins. And one of the um, interesting groups of greens that have been shown to have a really wonderful um, detoxification properties. Are cruciferous vegetables, and I even put in a whole chart of cruciferous vegetables. Most of them, I mean, I don't cook very much, believe it or not. I don't love cooking, but I do it. Um, but most of the cruciferous vegetables listed, I've never even heard of, but they're in supermarkets. Um, so you can really have fun trying out a couple cruciferous vegetables, you know, a month, a year, and just kind of seeing whether they're really yummy and can be introduced into your diet. And then they're also in the recipes that we have as well in the back of the book that are super simple. But the idea is that, um, you know, cruciferous vegetables harness, um, they use some of the very um, cool uh, compounds uh, such as sulfur, sulfur, sulfurophane and glucosinolates um, and murinase And they basically, these are the compounds that were discovered that help to break down Um, certain chemicals that we now see in modern day, but also to kind of rev up the liver stage two conjugation, which is sort of the stage of liver um, activity that breaks down these chemicals. So, you know, there's, it's not only what you eat, um, you know, you want it certainly pesticide free if you're going to have greens and leafy vegetables, but it's also exercise and sweating, sauna. It's also drinking really clean water, um, getting great sleep. Um, because sleep is a time when we actually rinse out our brain fluid. You know, it's actually been shown in great studies to be the time when we clear out a lot of harmful chemicals from our daytime exposure.
0: So I love that you're bringing up all of these lifestyle factors that we hear about um, constantly, about helping to mitigate PCOS symptoms. And uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to break bad habits, you know, staying up late. And um, you, you talk about fasting can be really helpful, you know, eating at late at night, and you don't give your body a chance to sort of fast and detoxify. But we can see that, that these type of lifestyle factors just it helps on so many different levels. I know I, before before we get on the call, I was sharing that I just did a podcast with uh, Dr. Shaina Peter, who's an acne specialist, and she was talking about the importance of sleep and fasting and uh, nutrients for your for managing acne. Um, so I just hope that listeners realize that these type of lifestyle changes that you make help on so many different levels.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I studied anthropology in my um, younger years in college and beyond. And, you know, I like to think of anthropology as having a huge influence on the way I practice medicine because we didn't just plop here out of nowhere. You know, we, you know, we've evolved for many, many years to really be able to um, eat the foods that we eat that are nutrient rich and, you know, to not do so well with foods that that don't really have nutritional benefits to us and can be even irritating like glutens to some people as well. So, you know, I think when you start to think about where we've come from as, as a species, we really did used to have clean drinking water and clean air quality and used to sleep more, which better, quality. We used to not really have so many abundant calories everywhere, especially processed foods that are packaged that had a shelf life that we have now. So we're a little bit over inundated by calories, you know, accessible calories. And you know, some of that that fasting, um, the concept is really related to just letting your body catch up um, and then burn off even calories that we don't need to store if if it's not wintertime, for instance, from an anthropology perspective. So you know I think thinking about us as a species as opposed to just a, an individual is also helpful in terms of perspective of how to move towards a healthier lifestyle
0: yeah that 's a great point. Um, the other thing that I had in my notes to chat with you about so you talk um, early on in the book about diet and epigenetic changes and I did a podcast last year with Dr. Fiona McCullough. She's a PCOS expert and she was talking about um, epigenetics and PCOS and how toxins is one of those factors that can perhaps, you know, turn the genes on for for PCOS. And you had... um, a, kind of a nice list of you, you call them substances that create positive epigenetic effects that can counter negative epigenetic effects of toxic chemicals on gene function. So I know that sounds a little complex, maybe.
1: Um, I, can I
0: mean, yeah, can, can you talk about that? And there was a there was, um, you know, and you mentioned and maybe just mentioned some of the things in the list,
1: yeah. So Basically, epigenetics is just a fancy word for saying that we have these stock proteins in our genes. So we have our genes, right? We get some from our mom and our dad. Um, uh, I guess most of them are all of them from our mom and our dad for that matter. But then we have these proteins that, that determine our epigenetics, um, which means whether or not those genes that we were handed, whether they get expressed or not, or whether they kind of just sit quiet and never get expressed, meaning like a cancer that never kind of comes out or some type of other disease or illness that doesn't come out because um, those proteins kind of quieted them down. Well, those proteins or your epigenome are actually affected by lifestyle. So if you can fix your lifestyle to some degree and kind of move in a cleaner direction across the board, sleep, stress, you know, clean eating, clean drinking water, and that kind of thing, you have a good um, opportunity to help keep those um, harmful diseases quiet through epigenetics where they you know kind of keep your the the proteins keep them in check now the chemicals have been shown to affect the epigenome in a negative way in a bad way and can actually affect not only our own health, but also perhaps even the health of our future generations through exposures. Um, you know, people don't realize that when you're pregnant, you're not only exposed to everything, be it good stuff or bad, but your fetus is also being exposed at the same time, as well as the fetal germ cells, which are the sperm, the beginning sperm structures, as well as the, eight, the eggs of a female fetus. So there's really three generations exposed to any one exposure by a pregnant woman, be it good, bad, or ugly. So, you know, when we think about exposures, we really want to think in the context of just also being able to, you know, potentially affect our future offspring, um, because studies have shown that many com- chemicals, that be- uh, endocrine disruptors do have this effect and can have this effect on in our gene structure. And the foods that com- combat it and the lifestyle changes that combat it are are as mentioned, you know, green leafy vegetables with folate, which is vitamin B9, these have been shown to affect um, exposures to methylmercury, um, to lead, you know, we know ne- being nutrient sufficient and getting a lot of good nutrients like vitamin C and iron appropriately can actually offset exposures to lead in children. Um, and so again, it's not just what you you know, reduce in terms of exposures, but it's also being nutrient sufficient and getting the nutrients that you do need and the diet you do need to offset some of these exposures.
0: One of the, uh, nutrients in your, well, it's actually, it's an antioxidant. Um, it's quercetin that you have in your list and quercetin has gotten a lot of, um, interest lately in the P- PCOS community, because there's been studies that show that it helps to um, reduce levels of testosterone. It helps with insulin resistance, of course, um, inflammation. And you know, in this current climate, um, it's helping with immune support. But you had uh, cited a study that showed that, it, that quercetin has been shown to be protective against PCBs, BPA, and methyl mercury exposure in animal studies, which I thought was really interesting as well.
1: Yeah, quercetin is an antioxidant similar to like a vitamin C or even to melatonin. But I don't recommend taking melatonin as a matter of fact, because you want to keep that being produced from your own body. But quercetin comes from the skin of apples and onions, for instance. And quercetin is a very harmless. Supplement, you don't, of course, want to go nuts, but it's pretty harmless. And it also is very effective in allergies, in environmental Mm -hmm. allergies. So, you know, what it does is it keeps um, the cells in the human body called mast cells that kind of hold histamine uh, quiet. So, it keeps them sort of stable so that they don't pop open and release the histamine during allergy season. So it has a number of benefits. It's also been shown to be helpful um, in terms of uh, preventing severe response to COVID infection. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, again, there's so many supplements that are helpful across the board in terms of um, our immune system. Um, I'm an immune system doctor. So I do recommend a handful, but you really could go nuts if you followed every one of the appropriate supplements that are out there. It's also pretty helpful to get it from your food if you get organic food or wash your produce for pesticides. Because again, food does offer many of these natural substances. We just don't eat them as often or in, in the abundance we should.
0: The the other uh, nutrient that I wanted to <clears throat> just draw attention to, because I think it helps PCOS on so many different levels. And you had mentioned omega-3 fatty acids, and that can really help um, offset toxins and i was hoping that you could just sort of discuss that as well
1: i'm sorry you said which one was it oh,
0: omega-3s oh the
1: omega-3s yeah so omega-3s are really interesting but omega-3s in in the market are pretty um it's kind of a dirty business because it's usually junk um so there are very good brands out there that i suggest people think about which are you know a whole host of them i'm going to list a few just because i don't like to i don't have any re- like relationship. Uh, financially with anything because of my teaching work, but um, brands like um, Orthomolecular, Pure Encapsulations, Thorne, MegaFood, um, let me see, New Chapter, um, Gaia, there's just a whole host of really solid companies that you want to stick to when it comes to supplements in general, but the fish oil, um, there's just so much junk out there. It's usually very dilute, meaning it has no real value because it's just so um, filled with fillers. Um, and you really need to make sure products like fish oil are checked for heavy metals because they come from fish and fish are around PCBs and metals in the ocean. So um, it's just something to consider. Um, but omega-3s have been shown to do a variety of things in terms of taking down inflammation in the body. Um, and it really is also very good for mental health For prolonging sleep Um, in children, it's been tested. It's very good for heart disease prevention, stroke prevention. It thins the blood to do so. Um, So you have to be careful if you have any type of bleeding disorders not to take fish oil unless you really do consult your doctor. Um, But essentially, there's so much value to clean. Um, nutrients. Um, If we could get it all from fish, that would be great, but it's just that we have a lot of polluted fish out there. So, um, you know, if you're going to eat fish oil, you want to get it from a substance, you know, uh, twice a week, I say, of whole fish that's wild caught. Um, Certainly, small fish are safer than large fish because of chemicals that kind of bioaccumulate up the food chain. You don't want the big fish because they eat the little fish and then they eat the littler fish and that's all kind of adding all the chemicals together. But you want to stick with small fish, like herring, mackerel, um, uh, salmon, wild-caught, um, uh, let's say, um, anchovies. And, you know, try to get products that have been tested at least for heavy metal contamination or PCBs.
0: So I wanted to just wrap up with um, just a, a discussion about your chapter 12, radiation, safer use of cell phones, tech toys, and gadgets. And I just don't think that we think about our cell phone as, you know, a potential toxin. <laughs> um, and just maybe you could just, um, just comment on that and, and some things that we can do to sort of protect ourselves.
1: Yeah, well, we included this radi- this chapter along with the chapter on medications, common medications, and talk about how they work on the body. I talked about noise pollution in the book and how that manages to kind of irritate the human body. Um, stress is certainly an environmental toxin. So there's a lot of things that we don't really think about, but actually do contribute to harm to the human body in terms of health. And so the chapter is really not about telling everyone, oh, my God, you're done with your cell phone. You can't use your computer. Forget about it. It's not, it's not that at all, because we all really rely on our technology, especially now with the pandemic. I mean, look at us. We're communicating through the computer and, um, and our technology. It's really about how to use these products safe, safely or safer, because we know that there is a reasonable amount of radiation that comes from our cell phones and our laptops and our iPads. Um, and, uh, we really want to not have them close to the body because exponentially, you know, as you, you separate your body from these tech toys, um, the, uh, radiation load goes way down. So I really try to give people some very basics. There's lots of recommendations, but just you know, in terms of this conversation, I say, you know, distance is your friend with these tech toys. You want to keep them away from your head, your kids' heads. You want to keep them away from um, your pregnant belly. You want to make sure that you don't put these cell phones in your um, bra and carry them in your bra because they've been known, um, you know, benign tumors and cancerous tumors have been discovered underneath the antenna portion of phones that are carried in the bra. Um, You don't want, you know, men and and boys to carry um, cell phones in their front pockets like my boys. I have two young boys and I'm constantly, you know, telling them to manage their phones safely and also not to carry them in their front pockets because, you know, as I tell them, I want to be a grandmother one day. So, That's
0: exactly what I tell my boys.
1: Yeah. I mean, no. and so again, they're, they're so sick of hearing me kind of say it that they just don't do it anymore. So, um I think it's just being really understanding that even a laptop on your lap is not meant to be on your lap, that that heat that's generated is one indication, but there's also subtler, you know, indications of, of radiation exposure um, that can affect sperm count, sperm quality, especially in developing children, right? Young kids are still, all their parts are developing, their brains are developing. So you just want to kind of keep distance as a, as a means of, of reducing that exposure, but also, you know, at night, keeping phones away from heads, you know, putting on airplane mode, which blocks that um, cellular connection. And we give a whole host of, of other really reasonable um, tips that um, won't make your kids flip out. And, you know, hopefully will be something you can add into your lifestyle as just another layer of, of getting um, a healthier uh, lifestyle.
0: Yeah. And, and I just uh, want to, to, um, just draw attention to the, the book again, it's called Non-Toxic Guide to Living Healthy in a Chemical World. And it, it is, it is probably one of the most comprehensive and as you said, easy to understand for the layperson um, book that I've read on this topic, and I've read a lot. Um, so tell us where we can find your book and where we can learn more about your, your work, Dr. Cohen.
1: Thank you. So the book is available on Amazon. Of course, everything is right, but it's also available on Barnes and Noble and also some small booksellers. uh, indie books um, link as well. And really the, the uh, book page is the thesmarthuman.com, the smarthuman.com. And which brings me to the smart which is my platform for environmental health, disease prevention, just really great tips, recommendations on everything from air quality tips and great articles to breast cancer prevention and baby food tips, uh, mental health ideas and cool videos. And The Smart Human is on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, The Smart Human for all of it. Um, and again, the website, thesmarthuman.com has tons of other podcasts. I also have my own podcast, The Smart Human podcast, where I interview really interesting people in environmental health and medicine um, and just and even environmental law. I had a wonderful guest. So, I mean, it's just a really kind of fun way to look at this topic from different um perspectives, different specialists that really know their stuff and it's warm and conversational and really kind of um, You know meant for everyday people. So I hope people will, you know, check out the smart human and invite friends on Facebook and, and, uh, and Kind of I also get grants to teach high school and college in part due to social media following So I'm hoping people will know that it's for a greater cause to get this into schools nationally um, and I practice in Princeton, New Jersey. So, if people want to visit me for a visit or they want to do a telemedicine visit, um, I can be reached at alycohenmd.com, alycohenmd.com.
0: And so, just to let f- listeners know, your specialty is rheumatology, um, but you also um, help people just integrate medicine as well.
1: Yeah. I pretty much see everything. I mean, okay. nothing I haven't seen. And it's interesting. I see a lot of environmental health exposures to different environmental chemicals. Um, you know, I see kids, I see adults, migraines, I see everything rash, you name it. Um, but interestingly, I've been seeing a lot of consults for who who should and should not get the um, COVID vaccine based on their own personal, either autoimmune disease or immune suppression, or even just other health issues. So I didn't realize that was going to happen. And it is so you know, I think people are a little concerned about whether to get it or not, um, or whether they should or should not get it. And and I try to help people through those decisions.
0: Oh, that that's a great that's a great resource for people. Um, and I will make sure that all of that information is in our show notes so that you can come to the podcast page and, you know, access all of Dr. Cohen's resources there as well as a transcript of our call today. Um, But I just want to thank you for, for reaching out to me um, and so that I could learn more about your work and share it here on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I was thrilled to find you. And I think, you know, kindred spirits, I think we both have the same mission in mind is to keep people healthy and get people healthy and feeling good because you know what else is there in life than to feel good with your life so exactly so that you can
0: thrive i always say that you know this work is helping women get beyond the pain and struggle of pcos and their health issues so they can go and do the work they were meant to do in the world with you know vitality and energy because pcos can really zap you of that so um so thank you for contributing you know your your wisdom and information. Um, and thank you, everyone, for taking your time to listen today. And I look forward to being with you all again very soon. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at PCUSDiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.